The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. What is it about a near-death experience that is so powerful it can completely change a person's life direction? And why does it sometimes take years for the NDE to take effect? Welcome to IN's NDE Radio, brought to you by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today, Lee Lawrence, had a near-death experience in 1988 as a result of contracting meningitis. His experience was in such contrast to his career as a certified public accountant that he at first denied the reality of the experience. Four years later, another spiritual experience changed the direction of his life forever. So here to tell us about his NDE and the amazing gifts that have come to him as a result is Lee Lawrence. Lee, welcome to NDE Radio. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Lee, thanks for taking uh, time from your busy schedule to do the show. Uh, if you would, please tell us about your near-death experience. Well, it's not something you plan for. Um, I wouldn't recommend anyone look forward to it. Um <laughs> but yet it is so enjoyable that after you experience it, you always want to go back there and be there continuously. Uh, what had happened was I had contracted meningitis. It was in November of 1988, and the pain of meningitis is so excruciating. It uh, It's a, the ex- inflammation of the layer around the brain, and because it's inside the skull, it puts so much pressure on your brain that the headaches are unbelievable. It feels as though someone has your eyes in a vice and just keeps squeezing them tighter and tighter because of the pressure that's inside your skull. And mm. I arrived at the emergency room, and the last I remembered, uh, I was hugging my knees as they were doing a spinal tap uh, to draw fluid off for examination. And that's when I left my body. The, yes. What, what happened after that, I ended up being out for quite a few days, um, spent about a week in quarantine. The, once I left, and when I say went to the other side, it exists right here in this same exact space. It's just a different frequency. It's it's like changing channels in a TV set, and you're on a different station, but you're still in the same chair watching the same TV set. And mm. as a result, I went through the area, which is the dark layer. And as I'm going through the dark layer and look around, and this is commonly referred to as the bardo, I saw these misshapen beings and the gargoyles but I felt no fear whatsoever. And the reason was that there's this, it's almost like a tractor beam of light that shines through that, and it opens a portal. And when that hits your body, you're experiencing so much profound love that it doesn't matter what you see, you cannot develop fear. 
it just it is impossible to experience fear when that light is shining on you. And as a result, I ended up going through and, you know, people talk about seeing other people. I didn't. All I saw was golden egg-shaped beings. I could communicate with them through thought, but they had no physical shape whatsoever other than kind of oval. I, I, I joke because if you ever had the Mrs. Grass's noodle soup with the golden eggs in them, it was almost that color of bright brilliance, but huge. And while you could, I could see them as separate, it was as though we were all one together. Uh, communication was not through words, it was through thoughts. What happened for me and what really threw me a curveball was when I came back into my physical body after this, Prior to it, I was a left-brain, bean-counter, tax law professor, about as logical as can be, own it and con- or control it person- type A personality. After it, I was an emotional basket case, and I couldn't even sit at my kitchen table and do a simple tax return. I lost total use of my logic. It shifted me out of one aspect into another. In hindsight, I know that's what I needed in order to become whole because I had actually denied that part of myself and I needed to re-experience it. But I thought I was going crazy because I couldn't think. I couldn't plan. I was one that never needed a calendar because I could remember all my appointments and all of a sudden I couldn't even remember anything. Mm. The... The thing that was most bizarre was that after I came into my body, I started being able to know the thoughts of people around me. And as I walked up to them, I would see their life in reverse sequence and uh, know what happened to them since conception. And then I started working with that and decided I need to figure this out. So I went back and picked up a degree in psychology, which really didn't help me at all to understand it, and then went on to study neuroscience. I never considered psychology a science because of the biased variable of perception. And at best, you can have correlations because of sensory stimulation. But I found that if a person closed their eyes and I reached out and touched these memories that I was sensing, their physical body would move even they were... 10, 15 feet away from me. So I started working with this, and the bottom line was I never really fully came back into my body. It says, though, a part of me is still out there, and I'm perceiving from that rather than just my five senses. So that's the summary. Did the egg shapings give you any warning that you were going to have these abilities? Not at all. Um, for some reason, when I met them, I asked for help. And they didn't answer me. They just looked up. And all of a sudden, I knew that the help was there. 
Now, what help I was asking them for, I have no idea whatsoever. But I'm pretty sure it was to get me out of this environment because um, let's let's just say if there is a hell, I think we're in it in comparison to the experience of profound love that's on the other side. When when people die, they talk about their life flashes between before their eyes and they have a life review. All that is, is their conscious awareness is no longer limited to the physical body and it expands outward in reverse sequence through the same exact field that I read in people when I walk up to them. Every, every experience that you have ever had since your conception is stored in your soul from the perspective that you experienced it at the time of the event. So that's where the life review comes from, from that stored information? Yes. It, it's not a judgment. It's a review. Well, do you have the capacity to judge yourself and perhaps put yourself in a in a, a condemned position as a result of a life review? We are always our own worst enemy. <laughs> that's that's the <laughs> yes. that's the job. What what happens is, and I can honestly say that having a near death experience was an absolutely wonderful blessing because just the way Paul in the Bible talks about dying daily, well. My big CPA ego was not about to do that, but a near-death experience is an instantaneous diminishing of that ego self. It's, it's, it can be like jumping off the high dive in a swimming pool into an empty swimming pool. It just totally uh, changes your value system. One of the things that seems interesting about your approach is, well, first of all, that you don't think you go anywhere, that it's, that, that the other dimension is right here. I think Jesus said that, uh, heaven's, uh, within us and among us. And, uh, and number two, that you are, uh, you suggest, uh, that it's possible to figure this out scientifically, what it's all about. It is. Everything's based upon operational frequencies of consciousness so that when you are, for example, praying or meditating, all you're doing is changing your consciousness to a higher level. And when you do that, and you know, I work with atheists, it makes no difference. It's a matter of tuning your consciousness to a higher level. And when you do, it changes your perception. So you can tune it so low that molehills look like mountains, or you can tune it so high that mountains look like molehills. The, the problem is most people don't realize they have that ability to change channels. And as a result, they get stuck in the channel that they don't like. They think they only get one channel on their TV set. Now, did you have an out-of-body experience at all um, connected with your NDE? Did you? Yes. You, uh, and, separate from your body, or did you have that? Yeah. Yeah, and the weirdest thing happened. I came back into my body afterwards, 
It was though my right leg from the knee down was solid concrete. It hurt so bad, it felt like I could rap on it with a hammer or drive a nail into it. Um, that was my anchor. That was my anchor mm. that I came back in when I came back in. So the and, and over, you don't you don't go ahead. The one th- I am after my experience. I do a lot of work with people who have cancer uh, terminal to help them to learn to love again. And I really believe that we are given a near-death experience to get a bite of the carrot that is dangled in front of us to know that we can have that experience while we are still here in a physical body. And we can. You can achieve that same level of consciousness that you experience in the near-death when you let go of your body while you're still in your body. It's what... In Buddhism, for example, is referred to as nirvana or Hinduism. And in Christianity, it's the treasure buried in the field that a person would sell everything they belong, that they own to find. And do you think that uh, this is something that can be attained um, through a scientific method as well as, uh, you know, the happenstance of a spiritual enlightenment? Well, the, the problem is, right now, people think that you have science, and with science you have materialistic reductionism, and then you have religion or faith, on the other hand, and you just have to believe. Well, the problem with science is that if you're, tr- if you're trying to understand a chicken, you can't just examine the egg. If you apply scientific reductionism to the hand, you're never going to understand the entire body. What happens is with consciousness, when you raise to the higher frequencies, what is intangible to us at a lower level all of a sudden becomes physical and tangible. It's how, for example, Jesus knew the thoughts of everyone around them because they're physical, tangible objects. But the reason they are not at a lower level of consciousness, but only at a higher level. At that higher level, it's at a lower level, consciousness works very similar to wave attributes on the electromagnetic spectrum. On the higher level, it works similar to the particle attributes like gamma rays and X-rays do on, again, on the electromagnetic spectrum. What happens is, and you know, throughout many religions, in fact, the Hindu statue of Shiva with the ring of fire you know, when they refer to the Holy Spirit as the the fire or the light, anytime a low frequency Mm -hmm. like fear, anger, or guilt goes into a higher frequency, it's like putting a dense object in the microwave. It's going to throw sparks and heat up and transmute. And that same thing happens. It's how a lot of the mystics do their healing. They're merely transmuting these memories that are creating the illnesses or whatever in the physical or wounds in the physical body. And you you can enable people to do that. I like to help them to learn that they can change channels and that they can grow. And as the Sufi poet 
poet Rumi said, life is about finding and removing the obstacles to love that exist within you. And once you start learning to change your consciousness to different levels, you can then utilize that ability to start to clean out the garbage that stops you, that creates the anchors or ballast that blocks you from reaching those higher levels. It's a whole new journey, a whole new value system. Uh, Lee, I wanted to go back and ask you, um, in your in your bio on your website, you say that you had, four years after your near-death experience, you had another spiritual experience. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little about that. What happens is it was... It was quite a while after the first experience when all of a sudden I went back to the other side again and I did it not through a near-death experience, I did it through meditation. And that time Mm -hmm. it was much calmer and it was much more profound in that I was able to bring a lot more information back with me. And that is really when my abilities, which are as much a curse as they are a blessing, all of a sudden started (laughs) happening. I I have to tell you that when you go through something like this, it usually destroys your relationships because souls merge together in relationships based on their complement, and when you change... All of a sudden, the person that you were with is no longer your complement. In fact, if you become like them, you become like two poles on a magnet that are the same, and it's the exact opposite of of attraction in the relationship. Hmm. So your relationship suffered as a result? Well, of course. It led, led to a divorce. Because remember what I said earlier, I was the logical left-brain bean counter. My wife was much more of the emotional counterbalance for me on the opposite side of the teeter-totter. So when I went through my experience and I came out emotional, it was as though I was on the other side with her and just falling and falling and falling as though there was no bottom. And the reason was because I had no one to balance me out. And I left that relationship, and it was about a year later, when guess what I needed to balance me out? Someone who was like I was before I went into that experience. And as you grow, though, if the other person doesn't grow with you, you end up growing apart. Because you're always looking for whatever consciousness is needed in order to make you feel whole. Which, ironically, is exactly what you feel when you're on the other side. It's Our consciousness, if you could look at it, the, the colors of the chakra, all they are are different frequencies of consciousness in the same exact sequence as a rainbow. And all a rainbow is is a refraction of white light. Guess what? That's all we are. And that's why if we become whole, that's 
the white light comes out, which is exactly what you see over the saints and the mystics, and all that is is the wholeness of them bringing all their consciousness together of all the various levels. When you came back with information, uh, just to ask a, a question that's um, on a slightly different topic, um, did you, when you came back from your your experiences, did you have any um, feeling about the possibilities of reincarnation? <laughs> well, I usually stay away from that topic. Um, it. I allow people to believe within their own belief system. I started remembering things that I knew why I was here. I knew why some people were familiar. Um, Let me just say that there is... Someone could drop an atomic bomb on top of your head and it does not harm your soul. Uh, You exist perpetually. Life is about soul growth. It's not about the physical body. My thoughts about reincarnation always bring up the question, why, if going into the light is such a wonderful experience, why would anyone want to come back to what you earlier described as um, hell on earth, basically? Well, why does a tree lose lose its leaves and rebloom in the spring? Why does it go through many growing seasons? Uh, and why does it go through many growing seasons before it's able to bear fruit? Uh, each year it's growing and it's gaining attributes. You know, when it's, when it's the seed buried in the ground, it can't utilize the light. But after it sprouts and starts to grow leaves, now all of a sudden the tree is using its leaves to gain nourishment. Uh, the same exact tr- thing is true of the soil. We're, we are seeds of divine consciousness that are planted here in the darkness in order to sprout and utilize that same light to grow. It's exactly what, for those people who are religious uh, in the Christian tradition in Matthew 13, when he talks about the tares in the wheat, and at the end of Matthew 13, the disciples come back and say, but we don't understand that. Can you explain it to us? And what Jesus said to them is, the earth is the field and mankind are the good seeds that are planted here to grow. Do you think Christianity will ever um, accommodate the notion of reincarnation? I think, well, it was a part of it up until um, uh, the Emperor Justinian. You know, there's a lot of debates on that in different directions, but uh, uh even Jesus said, uh, you know, I've been here many times. You know, he made this statement about uh, uh, when the Pharisees challenged him, and he says uh, uh, about John the Baptist, uh, when the Pharisees said, you can't be the Messiah, because it says Elijah would return before you, the Messiah. And he said, but he did, you just didn't recognize him, and he was referring to John the Baptist. You know, if that is not a uh, a spirit returning a description, or or in First John nine one when it talks about the man who was blind from birth, and they said, when has this man sinned? Uh, if he was blind from birth, 
they must have sinned before birth. So it's 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 an interesting. I respect people's belief patterns wherever they're at, and my identity is not increased or decreased based upon trying to convince someone that their perception is not correct. I've been reborn on on the internet here. Uh, I was when uh, we got disconnected, and I had just asked you about um, uh, your your touring talks that you're giving and how people might uh, might catch up with one of your talks. Did you get a chance to talk about that, or did uh, you even hear the question? <laughs> uh, no, I did not hear the question. Uh, allow me to say one thing though before I go into that, and I'll I'll make it very short. When when people say they are okay. born of the spirit. Most people don't understand that concept. When you're born of the Spirit, and your consciousness shifts from perceiving from the flesh to the Spirit, it's almost as big a change as perceiving from your mother's womb and all of a sudden being born and perceiving from your five senses. It is a totally different reality that you start to perceive. Um, what happens is I have been helping people traveling around and, and doing workshops and doing seminars. Uh, I'm actually right in the middle of one in Austin, Texas right now as we speak. And next weekend, I will be in Phoenix, uh, actually Scottsdale, Arizona, for a conference, which is uh, ASCSI, which is the Academy of Conscious of Spirituality and Consciousness Studies, Inc. Um, that begins next Thursday through Sunday, and the primary focus of that conference is on after-death communication. It's the 39th annual conference of the organization that uh, publishes proceedings and uh, uh, does a lot of, uh, has members that do research. Um, we are actually doing a conference this next year in Durham, North Carolina, Durham Chapel Hill, uh, again, uh, not just on the survival of consciousness and the, I don't like to use the word afterlife. I prefer after death because there is no such thing as afterlife because life is continuous. Uh, there's a conference yes. next June 11th through the 14th in Durham, North Carolina. Which is the so, home of the International Association for Near-Death Studies as well. Exactly. Uh, uh, <laughs> which, which I try to attend all of their events and conferences. Um, this year, I believe, is in L.A. Next year is in Texas. And uh, so since they are not in Durham, we didn't mind having our conference there. Exactly. Now, will, you be able to make, will you be able to make it out to Newport Beach uh, on August 28th? I am, I am hoping to. I am still juggling my schedule. If you do, I look forward to, uh, to seeing you out there. Um, if people wanted to get in touch with you, um, how would what would be the best way? And well, allow me to apologize first because uh, sometimes I don't get back to people right away. Uh, I don't mind them uh, mailing, emailing me if I don't respond again. Uh, my my actual name uh, Lee with a middle initial S, uh, like Stephen, and last name Lawrence at gmail dot com. Uh, no spaces or periods, and uh, although it's out of date, uh, I haven't been updating it. Uh, need, needless to say, I normally don't go out and market myself. I allow the coincidences to happen. Uh, my website is thescienceofthesoul.com. Very good. Well, Lee, it uh, looks like we're just about out of time for today. 
And uh, this has been very interesting and, um, and all too brief, but perhaps we can uh, take up with this again another time. I want to thank our guest, Lee Lawrence, for taking the time from his lecture tour to tell us about his NDE and gifts he received. If you would like to listen to this show again or any other of our programs, please visit our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about IANS, please check that website at iands.org. There will be information on that site about our upcoming Labor Day weekend conference on NDEs, Health and Healing in Newport Beach, California from August 28th through the 31st. I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening.